0: Good morning. morning. We're so glad that you're here today. Thank you for coming. It's a beautiful day. We're thankful for the sunshine and we're grateful for the sunshine that is here in this building today with bright and shining faces. Thank you. If you're visiting, as always, we want you to know that we consider you an honored, honored guest and we would love to have you come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. And I hope that doesn't sound like a trite expression, but we mean it. We're thankful that you're here. and We want to encourage you to come every opportunity that you have. And if you're looking for a church home in the new year, we would love to have you come on board here and to help us as we try to emulate Christ in our daily life and also as we try to make Him known in this community. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 2, 28 and 29. And then from a segment in chapter 3. In our lesson today, the title of our lesson is, I Am a Changed Person in Christ. I would imagine that in my mind, the poster child for what Christianity does in the hearts and lives of people was Saul of Tarsus. I don't know of any other person that demonstrated such a radical change in his life. If you look at Saul of Tarsus, pre-Christ, boy, he was a terrorist in every respect of the word. Did everything within his power to destroy those who were followers of the way. But following the Lord's appearance to him on the road to Damascus and his obedience to the gospel, a change took place. An incredible change. You remember Paul identified himself in 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, as the chief of sinners. But once that change took place, Paul could have said to anyone, anytime, place, I'm a different person in Christ. My question to you today, can you say, as Paul could have said in days gone by, that you are a different person in Christ? If you can't say that you've changed, that your life is not radically different from what it was before you obeyed the gospel. Something's not right. Because you see, Christ is to impact our life to the extent that we're different, that we think differently, and we act differently. Now that being said, let's look at 1 John chapter 2 and chapter 3. The first thing that I want to call your attention to has to do with our birth in Christ. What John does down in verse 10 of chapter 3 is identify for us two families or two kingdoms. He said, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. So all he's saying there is is that there are two kingdoms that are in this world, distinctly different. There are two families in the world in which we live. On the one hand, you have the kingdom of God. On the other hand, the kingdom of the devil. On the one hand, you have the house of the living God. And on the other hand, you have the house of the devil. Now that being the case, could I ask you today, what kingdom are you in? What family do you belong to? There are only two possibilities. On the one hand, you have the kingdom of light, and on the other hand, you have the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light would be God's kingdom. The kingdom of darkness would be the devil's kingdom. How then do we escape the kingdom of darkness? Now, John tells us that those who commit sin, he said they transgress the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. That's found in verse 4, chapter 3. The term sin literally means a missing of the mark. Now Paul would tell us emphatically in chapter 3 of the book of Romans that all have sinned. And all have come short of the glory of God. Now sin is the reason why people are a part of the kingdom of darkness. Why they're a part of the devil's kingdom. John would say down in about verse Down in about verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. Now he went on to say that the devil sinned from the beginning. But Jesus was manifested to take away our sin. In him there is no sin. He also said that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now what that tells me is the Lord had a mission in coming to this earth, his mission was to liberate me from a life of sin, to break the shackles of sin. And the only way that that can come about is for me to spiritually see that I need a redeemer, that I need to make some changes in my life. Now, that being said, those who are apart. Of God's kingdom or God's family they have submitted to the new birth John would say in first John chapter 3 verse 9 that those who are born of God do not sin he said neither can they sin why because they have been born of God now John is not saying that once you become a child of God once you submit to the new birth but sin will no longer plague your life, that you will have trouble, or rather, that you will be sinlessly free. But what he is saying is that that old way of life, it's over. It's called repentance. When the Apostle Peter preached on Pentecost Day, One of the prerequisites to entering the kingdom of God or becoming a part of God's family was to repent. Repentance means a change in my thinking, followed by a change in how I live. Now that strikes at the heart of what we're talking about, that I am a different person in Christ. Can people tell that you're different? than what you were prior to becoming a child of God. They ought to be able to tell the difference. Now you remember in John chapter 3 when Jesus had that conversation with Nicodemus who was a Pharisee, a ruler among the Jewish people. Jesus said to Nicodemus in the long ago, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus was not talking about a physical birth. Now Nicodemus thought he was because he asked the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, look, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. In verse 7, he said, Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Now, that's what John's talking about. That we were born again, born into the family of God or the kingdom of God. As Paul would say, we are translated out of one domain into another. At one time, we were in spiritual darkness, but now we're in light. And we are following the light of the world. You remember what Jesus said, John chapter 8, verse 12, I'm the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So we're baptized into Christ, the new birth. The new birth affords us a new beginning. That's why I said that in Christ, I'm a different person. I'm different because I've died to that old way of life. As Paul said, I have risen to walk in newness of life. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he was writing to some people that had been, to use the expression of the world, knee deep in a life of sin. They had a lot of problems. And yet Paul could write, a second letter to them and inspire them about the change that had come about in their life. He said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Paul said, all things have become new. And that's the idea of the new birth. Now, let's think secondly about number one, the new birth. In Christ, our birth in Christ, but number two, our behavior in Christ. Now here's the application part. Let's just think for a moment or two about our conduct in Christ. Paul had told people in the first century that when they were baptized into Christ, they were a changed person. They were a new creation. And what John is saying is that those who have been born of God, those who have submitted to the gospel plan of salvation, they're changed. They're different. Number one, their allegiance is different. Their allegiance is now To the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember in Acts chapter two when Peter we have a record of his sermon preaching the gospel? In verse thirty six he said, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Is Jesus the Lord of your life? If He is the Lord of your life, that means your conduct has changed. Now what was it John said? John said, He who sins is of the devil. He goes on to say, Whoever has been born of God does not sin. He cannot sin because his seed remains in him. And the idea is that he has died to that old way of life. His allegiance is to the Lord. The Lord is the one who is piloting his or her life. We have submitted ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So there is the allegiance to Jesus, and then there's a second thought. The idea that we must abide in Jesus. Back in verse 28, John said, little children abide in Him. In chapter 3, he said that those who abide in Him do not sin. He who sins has neither seen Him nor known Him. He's, either, he's neither seen Him nor has He known Him. Now again, he's not talking about stumbling, making mistakes in life. But what He is saying is that your life, my life, is no longer defined by reckless behavior. I'm a changed person. And my goal is to abide within the teaching of God's Son. In John chapter 8, Jesus is involved in a conversation with the Pharisees and the Jews of His day. And they failed to accept, many of those people failed to accept His deity. But you remember Jesus said, if you abide in My Word, listen to Him, then are you you My disciples indeed. All right, here's a question. How can I tell whether or not I am who I claim to be? Abide in His Word. When John said, If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of His Son, Jesus, cleanses us from all sin. In chapter 2, verse 3, John would say, By this we know that we know Him. How, John? We keep His commandments. And John tells us that the commands of God are not a burden to be borne. But rather, he said, this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. His commandments are not grievous or burdensome to us, individually speaking. Now, there's a second thought. First, our conduct in Christ, but then secondly, our challenges in Christ. Just because I have been born again, because I've submitted to the new birth, Doesn't mean that the devil's gonna say, you know what, I'm not gonna bother him anymore. I'm gonna leave him alone. Let me tell you what, when you become a child of God, you automatically have an X placed on your back. There's a target on your back. And the devil's gonna do everything within his power to pull you back into the world. That's what he wants to do. He wants to water down your Christianity. Rather than you living a distinctive and different life, He wants you to blend in with the world. Why? Because He's the God of the world. He understands that the world will tarnish you. So what? I think what John is saying in 1 John is that we are to be distinctive and different from the world around us. just think about this for a minute. If we are seen by others in the world around us, if we're seen by other people as just one among many, nothing different about our speech, nothing different about how we live, how we act. Now, if nothing is different, what does that say? Can people tell that you're a Christian? I mean, can they identify that there is something distinctive and different about your life? Now, if they can't tell, if they can't tell a difference in how you're living and the world lives, something is not right. Would you agree with that? That's just the bottom line. Now, here's what John said. Love not the world, neither the things which are in the world. Well, why, John? Because the devil is using the world to pull, to tug at our coattail. What the devil's trying to do is reel us back in. And what we've got to do is we stand, as Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 6, stand therefore, put on the whole armor of God. Let me tell you what, the devil's going to bring it every single day. Whether you are ready or not, he's coming. He is relentless and he is ruthless. And his goal is to destroy you as a child of God. Now it might be the case that if we're not careful, that over time, we begin to blend back into the world. And before long, there's really nothing distinctive or different about us. When the apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, you remember what he said? You are an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And the idea is, we have been sanctified or set apart. We don't belong to the world anymore. We're not walking in darkness. We're not a part of the devil's kingdom. We're not a part of his house. But rather, we are to be distinctive, different. As Paul said to the saints in Rome, do not be conformed to the world. But rather, what you need to do is be transformed. Why is it that we spend time every day reading and studying the Bible why do you read and study the Bible? Why do you spend time in prayer? Why do you come to worship on the first day of the week? Why do you come back to Bible study on Wednesday night? Is it not because you're trying to live a sanctified life in Christ Jesus? Now you think about the people in Corinth. Paul itemized some of the problems that they had in that city, spiritually speaking. And in verse 11 of chapter 6, in 1 Corinthians, Paul said, And such were some of you, but you were washed. He said, You were sanctified. All right? What if somebody that had been sanctified in Christ, who had been living in fornication, adultery, homosexuality, sodomy? What if somebody had been living as a thief or a drunkard, and so on? What if they continued to steal? What if they continued to sleep around? What if they continued to practice idolatry? Would you say that the gospel impacted their lives, that they were living a sanctified life in Christ Jesus? The answer is no. So we've got to determine within our own heart and mind or mind. Look, we're different. We're not like the world. The world has nothing to offer us. And that's something that everyone needs to remember. We all need to remember that. Remember when the devil showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world? And he said, all this can be yours. Let me tell you what, the devil will offer you everything. But he won't deliver on a single thing. You can mark that down. He will never deliver what He promises. He promises you freedom and happiness and contentment and joy and all these other things, and yet the opposite is true. So number one, our birth in Christ. Number two, our behavior in Christ. And then thirdly, our blessings in Christ. Did you know it's a blessing to be a Christian? Let me tell you one of the reasons why it is such a blessing to be a Christian is because we have a family. We have a family in Christ. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, John said, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the children of God, the sons of God. I made this point the other day, I'll make it again. We are not just called the children of God, we are the children of God. We are heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. God is our Father, and we are a part of His spiritual family, and we have fellowship with one another. As Peter said, we are people of like, precious faith. You can go anywhere you want in the world. When you meet somebody who is in Christ, you are meeting a fellow brother or sister in Christ. We all have the same Father. That's the Lord. And so, to understand that those of us who are in Christ, that we have a family. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Ephesus, some of those people had been Gentiles by way of their background. And he said, You're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. How do you think that made those people feel? They had been on the outside looking in. That was their history. Israel was God's chosen nation. The Gentile people didn't enjoy those covenant relationship, or rather that covenant relationship. But in verse 13, Paul said, But now in Christ Jesus, You that once were far off or made near, brought near by the blood of Christ. That's the equalizer. In Christ, we are His family members. So number one, our family in Christ. And number two, did you know we have a future in Christ? Now in 1 John chapter 3 verse 1, John said, because we're God's children, the world does not know us. And the reason is because it did not know Him. But He said, Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But when He is revealed, John said, We shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. I really believe that John is writing to Christians in the first century to provide them with a sense of confidence in Christ. To assure them that, look, you're a changed per- You're a different person. You belong to God. You're a part of His family. And I understand that as a part of His family, and as someone who's trying to walk in the light, there are going to be occasions when you stumble and fall. But to understand that you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is going to stand before the bar of heaven and He will plead your case. And On the basis of His blood, you can maintain a relationship with the Father. Now the prerequisite to that, back in verse 9, John said, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How confident are you in Christ? you confident? Do you believe that you have a future in Christ? Not only are we to be confident in Christ, but listen, we have a crown. You know, the Bible talks about that stuff, the victor's crown. There'll come a day when we will stand before the Lord, And the Lord Jesus Christ will own us and crown us in heaven. So I want to ask you, number one, are you confident in your relationship with Christ? If you're not, I want to encourage you. If you're trying to live a Christian life and you're striving to the best of your ability to walk in the light, look, rest assured, you just keep maintaining walking in the light. And the blood of Christ, it'll take care of the problems in your life. And you keep living in such a way so that one day you're going to get that victor's crown. Come out on the other side and stand before God as a winner. You beat the world. You beat the devil. And The Lord has promised us that if we will live for Him, we will one day be with Him. I said something about confidence. Back in verse 28 of chapter 2, John said, Little children, abide in Him, that when He appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him in His coming. One day, the heavens are going to be rolled back The Lord Jesus will appear at the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God, when that day comes to be confident, to know that our Lord is coming to take us home to be with Him. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you. Begin that life today. Obey the gospel. What would you need? you need to put your trust in Jesus. He is the Son of God. You need to be converted to Christ. And then to make up your mind that you're going to live for Him. On Pentecost Day, Peter said, repent and be baptized. When you do that, God's going to put you in the church. And then if you'll live that faithful, steadfast life, the promise is that crown of life. If you're here today and you need to respond to heaven's invitation, maybe you need the prayers of the church. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you as we stand and sing.